we're going to start a brand new series. This is uh, Faith Under Fire. We just finished Focus Under Fire, and 2020 has been a year under fire. Uh, but we're going to talk about our faith, and uh, I, I want to use 1 Timothy chapter 6 as a launching point. 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 11, it says this, But you, man of God, woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. There's a lot of people that, that just wonder, like, what am I supposed to be doing as a believer? There's a lot of things that we're doing that the Bible doesn't ask us to do. There's a lot of crosses that we pick up that Jesus never asked us to carry. There are some very clear instructions on what we should be pursuing and how we should be living, and these are some of those. If you're a believer and you're not pursuing righteousness, it's right standing with God, living rightly, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, then you might not be fighting the right fight. Because verse 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul writes this book to his understudy, Timothy. It's a letter, an epistle that he wrote to Timothy as Timothy was now pastoring one of the larger churches uh, in, really in the world at that time, the church at Ephesus. The Ephesians, these people, this church, uh, was inundated with all kinds of crises. People look at 2020 and people uh, in our, with our social media world, you scroll through and people are like, man, we're in trouble. I mean, you, can't re you cannot get on social media and not get depressed. I mean, it's just like, and you don't know where the church is. And I don't know who the Christians are. The Bible says you'll know them by their love and I can't find them on social media. So I'm like, man, is anybody saved? I mean, it's just, we, we all have our, our sex and our church and our groups, and, our, and, and I'm just wondering where the people of God are. And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and I think we might, at times, at least I might, think that we might be in worse shape now than we were then. But when Paul wrote to Timothy, it was from a place of concern and a place possibly and sometimes of worry about the doctrine that was trying to infiltrate the early church. In fact, there was a group of people that were called the, 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 uh, the Gnosis, and they were these people, they, 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 this is where we get our word agnostic, the Gnostics, they, they believed that there was not a way to God, they believed there was many ways. Some, some of us are thinking like, wait, I thought they thought of this in 2020. No, nah, it's nothing new. Same play. Say, let, let, let's try to water down the gospel to make it palatable for anybody so we don't have to lay down anything, we don't have to surrender anything, and whatever I feel can be right, this is not new, this is the same song, 42nd verse, 2020 version of the church at Ephesus. The church of Ephesus had uprisings, had dissension, had conflict that Paul in his letter to Timothy says, we've got to stop this. They even discredited what they had as the law, the Old Testament, the word of God. They begin to ridicule and say, these are great 
parables or this is a great analogy or an allegory, but it's not actually truth. It didn't start in 2020. That started in the church in Ephesus. There's always been a battle against the truth. This has always been, Paul didn't just accidentally say fight. He said fight because it was a fight. And I, I'm just wondering, and, and I found myself in the middle of 2020 thinking, man, this is hard. This is difficult. And then I read my Bible. And in my Bible, it actually gave me a heads up of what 2020 was going to be. But I thought, because I was a Christian, it was going to be different. I thought when I started going to church and serving, and especially when I became a pastor, that life was going to become easy. I thought people were going to be grateful for me choosing not to follow other career paths and lay down my time and schedule in life and answer calls, whatever they are, at 1.19 in the morning. I, I, I just, I thought people would be different. You probably thought the same thing when you said yes to Jesus. You probably thought like, okay, there, finally, I found life. Now life is supposed to be easy, and I don't know where the fantasy got mixed in with the truth over the years that our Christian life was actually going to be easy. I'm not trying to discourage you, and I promise I have good news for you, but, but this is a fight. This life is a fight. This life, this Christian life, this Christian journey is not just about fun, blessings, and prosperity. God's going to bless you. God wants to prosper you. But friends, this is a fight. This is a fight. You know, football season's starting today. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. And it's on my mind. And um, I'm thinking about all the games that are happening and, and uh, all, all of the different things. Now, what's interesting to me about football is, is people change their allegiances a lot to teams. A lot of times based on the success of the team. Or if you're my sisters growing up, you pick your team based on the jersey. Oh, I like the star. I'm a Cowboys fan. It's like, come on. It's like, really? Or what's a Seahawk? And I'm not going to be a Seahawk fan. I, I am, but that's I'm talking about other people. And it's funny how allegiances change based on wins or based on losses, based on jersey logo, based on who's on the team. Or who's not on the team. We got a lot of fair weather fans out there. Fair weather fans. I mean, it's like if you believe in your team, believe in we got some people that are just like, I, I just like football. I watch all the teams. Which you're a disturbing type of person for me. <laughs> because what happens when one of the all plays the other one of the all? Who do you root for? We're not talking about a tie, we're talking about wins and losses. We're not gonna be talking about 2020 participation trophies, all right? And if anybody originated that in here, I'm sorry, but it's like, we got to get away with the participation trophies. In real life, you win and you lose. I mean, I'll make sure my boys know. I don't know if it's right or not, but I'll let them know. Like, hey, today, you know, I know they didn't keep score. I kept score. We lost. <laughs> and at three, they took that hard. I mean, they cry, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's life. It's life. I'll teach them. There's wins and there's losses. But I'm worried about the church of Jesus Christ because I think instead of becoming followers, I think that at times we've drifted into a belief or an idea of just becoming a Fairweather fan. 
That we're a fan of pastors and we're a fan of churches and we're a fan of movements. And I just wonder if Jesus isn't calling us back to just be followers of him. I don't like what you said. That's fine, but can you follow him? I don't like this, or I like that, or I like my church and your church and my denomination. But but are you following him? This is what Paul says. He says you're going to have to do something in this fight of faith. He says in verse 11, he says you're going to have to flee from this so that you can pursue this. At least when two teams are playing, you can't root for both of them. I mean, you can to a point, but at one point there's going to be a winner or loser. You're going to have to decide. And this is what Paul is saying in the fight of our faith. He says, at some point, you are going to have to make a separation between what you're fleeing from and what you're running towards. I can't run towards you and flee from you at the same time. He says, I need believers to wake up. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he's speaking to Timothy, and he says, I want you to flee. Now listen, this is what he says to flee from. If you back up a couple verses, because it says flee from all this, so we look at what's, what's all this. And it says in verse 2, the latter part, it says, these are the things that you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, Paul doesn't play no games. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. I'm warning you. He says they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. All right, Paul. Like, take a breather. Did you not sleep last night? Like, what? You are cranky. Paul throws it down. He says this. He says that we're supposed to flee from those who are conceited. We're supposed to flee from those who have an unhealthy interest in controversies. You know what's interesting? We have a hard time loving our neighbor, and then we also have a really difficult time fleeing from the things that God says to flee from. So the excuse when we have to love one another is a plethora of different items, but then when it says flee from someone, we use that same command as our excuse. I can't flee from them because God said to love your neighbor. Well, you weren't loving your neighbor before, so you can't. Did you know you can twist the word of God to say whatever you want it to say? No, just because someone uses a verse on some, it doesn't mean that that's right. You, you can twist the word of God. I heard a story about a man that, that uh, he was, he was um, looking for a word from the Lord. He's really depressed, and, and uh, he's looking for a word, word from the Lord. And, and so he was doing the old, uh, the old open and point. You ever done this on your Bible? You know, when you're looking like, Lord, speak to me. And so he opens his uh, Bible, and uh, he points, and it says, and Judas went and hung himself. So he shut it real quick, and it's like, well. That's not right. So he opened again and says, go now and do likewise. <laughs> Shut it again. It's, I'm going to tell you this. You can take bits and pieces of the, of the scripture, and you can make it preach your agenda and preach your gospel, but it doesn't mean that it's true. You've got to know what this book really says. 
You've got to know it for you. You can't even take my word for it. You've got to know it for you. You've got to dig into the word of God and understand what he says and why he says it. You've got to study to show yourself approved. Not just elders, not just pastors, but us as people have to study and know the word of God because the people in Ephesus were studying and they were coming against the sound doctrine that Paul had already put into place. And he says, listen, you've got to start fleeing from these people. Flee from those who have an unhealthy interest in controversy. Flee from those who quarrel about words that result in envy, strife. So this is the fruit of their conversations. If this is the fruit, then Paul, I'm not saying this, Paul's saying that you should flee from this. That result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, or constant friction. Flee from those who have a corrupt mind. And you've been robbed of truth. Flee from those that think godliness is a means to financial gain. That I give to get something. Or I use my, my faith or my godliness to, to get something. He says, flee from all this. There's a quote from a commentary that I read to this, this week that said, The Christian is not permitted to float leisurely down the stream of the world and so reach the haven where his soul would be. He must swim against the current and for his very life. The faith which he professes with his lips, he must adorn with his life. Now, we don't talk about that type of faith anymore. Now it's like, man, you come to church once every four weeks, you're doing all right. Paul says, what are you talking about? Doing all right? He says, are you giving your life? Are you adorning your commitment with your life? Are you willing to lay it down? If so, you got to flee from this. And he says, and you have to pursue this. What did he say to pursue? He said, you're going to have to pursue righteousness. Follow after righteous, righteousness. Not what I say is righteous. Not what someone else says is right. you got to follow what is your righteous, right standing with God. we got to follow after, pursue godliness. Do you know the Bible says to train yourself to be godly? That's so what it says in Hebrews. It says you actually, wouldn't it be nice if you just naturally gravitated towards godly? I know some of you feel like you do. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be amazing? It's just like, I'm actually naturally in a good mood. I naturally think the best about people. I naturally bless those who persecute me. I naturally think purely. I naturally always have patience. That would be incredible. But the Bible says you're going to have to train yourself. And the problem with our culture in 2020, they think if they don't feel it, then it's not truth. But what I found to be true for me is that sometimes my feelings are not accurate. And sometimes my feelings are not there to help me. My feelings are connected to my flesh. And Paul says again in another scripture, he says, The very things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, I do. Because you're explaining this principle, that the flesh is in conflict with the spirit. Which means that the things that I naturally want to do are not right. I wish that was the case. Man, just go ahead and just live. See how that works. I want to drive how I want to drive. I'm just, I'm just finding my truth. You'll find the truth real quick. And you can try to explain to the judge why your truth was 100 in a 70, but that, that does not mean it's going to be his truth or actual truth. It's, it's a feeling that has to bow to the actual. Does it make sense? 
So when Hebrews says train yourself to be godly, it actually means to give careful attention and to train your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions to know which is of God and which is not. So I got to look at the fruit and I got to discern what is of God. Follow after godliness, follow after faith, follow after endurance. You know what I found to be true is that you can tell a lot of things when you give someone enough time. Oh man, you can tell. You know, some people get married too quick. Because any, any, any man can be a good dude for six months. I'm just saying. Like if the motivation's right, you can be real spiritual, you can be real pure for six months. But time, it tells all things. Time tattles on you. Time reveals you. Time tests you, that's for sure. That's why longevity is so valuable. That's why I respect Pastor Steve Collins, our founding pastor, so much because he's been doing it for a really long time. He's been married for a really long time. He's been faithful for a really long time. He's been loving for a really long time. He's been free. That's fruit, friends. Someone pops up out of nowhere and claims this or claims that. Where is your fruit? And where is your longevity? He says, I want you to pursue endurance. Pursue endurance. I want you to pursue, which is just so wild for Paul in his brash challenge to fight that he adds this in here. He says, and make sure you pursue gentleness. I always hate that when he slips it in there. Pursue gentleness. Now let's fight the good fight. Gently? Uh, that is just so counterintuitive to my personality and to my life. But I think there's some truth hidden in it that we should treat each other gently. You know, the, our culture says treat yourself gently. It's not what Jesus says. It's not what Paul preached. In fact, he said, I beat my body and I make it my slave. Doesn't sound like he's being too gentle with himself as he uses the word beat he, he, he tells us to sacrifice. He tells us to lay down. He tells us to surrender. I know it's not popular, but this is what the Bible says. But do you know that every command of God is not to make you uncomfortable? It's not to imprison you. It's not to incarcerate you in some religious tradition. It's actually to free you. That the commands of God are actually for our betterment. The commands of God are actually for our freedom. The commands of God so we can actually have the life that we desire. Because true happiness is not in me being gentle with me. True happiness is me laying my life down for him. True satisfaction is me having a life laid down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will only be satisfied when I'm completely surrendered. And every part that I'm withholding is a part that I'm going to have to deal with with me. If you take care of you, then you need to save you. You need to comfort you. You need to provide for you. You, need, you can't have half a savior. I can't have half. I can't have Jesus on the weekend. If he's the Savior, it's because I came up short 
in my own life. And it was the grace and the goodness of God that says, you don't have to stay short, son. I'm going to pull you into my arms. I'm going to pull you into my family. That's the gospel, friends, is that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's his goodness and it's his kindness and it's his gentleness that says, come here. Come here. You know why? This is why we're grateful to God. Anytime when someone has to deal with self and take care of self, they become their own savior. And every time you become the savior of you, you deny the savior of the world. He is, is this too much today? He is the one who saves. The word fight is a Greek word uh, that I can't pronounce very well, but it's agazito, which refers to a struggle, a fight, great exertion, or effort. It's where we get our English word agony, or to agonize. When Paul says fight, he uses the Greek word where we get our English word agonize. Whew, that's not popular. Agonize over the great faith. Oh, agonize. Fight the good fight of faith. Agonize. Give yourself wholly to. A word often used in the New Testament to convey the ideas of anguish, of pain, of distress, and conflict. This word itself comes from the word uh, agon, which is the word that de depicted the athletic conflicts and competitions that were so famous in the ancient world. It frequently pictured wrestlers in a wrestling match with each wrestler struggling with all his might to overcome his opponent in an effort to hurl him to the ground in a fight to the finish. All their effort. Have you ever thought that faith should be easy? I've thought that many times. Like it just should, it just should be easy. There should be no opposition to the truth because it's the truth. It should just work. It should be simple. And Paul says, "You're gonna have to agonize over this. You're gonna have to be a competitor that gives yourself entirely to. You are gonna have to conquer the flesh. You're gonna have to conquer." doubts. You're going to have to conquer false doctrine, and you're going to have to give yourself wholly to it. The very fact that Paul would use this word, a word that was very well known in the world of his time, alerts us emphatically that when we step out to do something by faith, it often pushes us into a previously unknown fight. It throws us into some type of agony, anguish, conflict, pain, distress, or struggle. It isn't that God wants us to struggle. Instead, this is a fight. I want you to hear this. This is, a, this is what the fight is. This is a fight that results from the flesh that resists the will of God, the mind that struggles to understand what God has told us to do, circumstances that seem to stand in the way, people who oppose us, and the devil himself who throws his weight against every step of faith we take. Did you know the fight that we fight is not against people? The fight that Paul is talking about is a fight against my own selfish desires, my own flesh that would get in the way of my life laid down for the sake of the gospel, not for pastors, not for leaders, for Christians. That this fight is a fight that we fight together, no matter your denomination, 
no matter what your theological beliefs are, no matter what your background is, that we all as Christ followers would fight the good fight. What type of faith? Stop it. Stop it. I want to expose all of the ones that have the wrong type of faith. Stop it. Because you're who Paul said to flee from. Ah. I just said that. Pull it back. He said pursue. Pursue. What are you, what are you pursuing? You've got to neglect this to run after that. You can't run after both. He says, you're going to have to fight. Now, I want to I give you something about a fight that's super important. When you're talking about a fight, you have to identify your enemy. And I think for many of us, we're fighting the right battle, but we're fighting the wrong enemy. So we have the, the right overarching direction, but we fight people. This thing is not about, the Bible says this, this battle is not against flesh and blood. This is so much bigger than that. This is so far beyond that. We don't need to destroy each other. We don't need to fight each other. There is a battle beyond the battle. That's called spiritual warfare, friends. It's not you that's my problem. It's what's behind you. I'm not your problem. It's what There is a battle taking place over truth. And if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you have to make sure that you don't destroy the wrong people in your fight. we got to fight the right enemy, identify the enemy. You have to pick your battles. See, I think as a believer, it is easier, it is easy when you have a fight in you to start picking battles. And sometimes we pick the wrong battles. We pick battles that Jesus himself wouldn't pick. We, we take authority that we don't have. We take it upon ourselves to be the social media police. Well, have you heard about that gift of the Spirit? The discerning of social media account. <laughs> no, there's no gift for that. I'm not saying that God's not going to use you to communicate truth, give, and use you to encourage your brother, encourage, use your social media platform to make a difference. I'm talking about: Are we pursuing the right thing? Are we fighting the right battles? And this is this is really what it comes down to: is that if you're going to fight the good fight, you have to engage your faith. You, you've got to decide that I'm going to engage. How do you engage faith? I can tell you right now, I'm on the newest diet plan. But if I haven't done it, I have it, but I haven't engaged it. I can tell you that I have a Peloton in my house. And I love it. And it's beautiful. Fits perfectly with the aesthetic. But if, if, if I don't get on it, and move, I've never engaged it. Some people have never engaged their faith because they've never stepped up to the fight. They understand there's a battle. They understand there's a need, but they've never engaged faith. You may have been in church all your life, but never engaged faith. To engage faith, you have to get on what has just been sitting in your house. You've got to begin. This is how the power of God works. The power of God works like Tom Thumb's doors. I'm serious. You walk up, it detects your motion, and it opens. Do you know what most Christians do? They sit in their leather seats, and they watch those doors. And it didn't open for me. 
oh, it opened for so-and-so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They, they're, they're a leader at the church. Open for them. Oh, they, they think they're big stuff. Open for them. It opened for you, too. If you fought the right battle. But from your seat, it won't open. You have to engage your faith. The gospel doesn't work from, for observers. The gospel works for people who engage their faith. The, the, the power of God doesn't work for those who spectate. The power of God works for those who engage. People said, I was talking with a pastor a couple months ago, and he said, well, I, don't really, I don't really know if God heals still. I said, really, why, why don't you think God heals? He's like, well, God hasn't been healing anybody in my church. And I just asked him, I just said, have you been praying for anybody? He said, well, no, we're not really believing that God. I'm just asking, have you, have, have you prayed for anybody? Because maybe God would. It's if I had a bottle of water and I said, man, the water never pours out. And I've never tried to pour it out. I don't know if there's water in there or not until I have the faith to tip it. See, for some of us, we've just never had the faith to take the step, to fight the fight, to say the prayer, to make the move. And if we did, the power of God would begin to open doors for us. When we engage our faith, this is why Christianity is boring for some. It's because they sit in their cars and they watch the door open for others. And they think, well, God must not love me, or God must not see me, or I must have done too much, or it's only at that church, or it's only in this. But if you would get out of your car, your comfort zone, and you would engage your faith in this good. Now, this is the other thing that Paul said. He said, fight the good fight. After he uses a word like agony and agonize, he says good faith. You know what that word good means? It means beautiful. Paul's got some issues. He's been in prison too long. He's been whipped one too many times. I mean, what do you say? He says, I want you to agonize over the beautiful fight of faith. I don't know where I started believing it was going to be easy. I don't know what lullaby I listened to to tell me that my faith was just going to be a cakewalk. Because when I go look at this word and I read my Bible, I'm not surprised by 2020. I'm surprised how the church is reacting, honestly. Because Jesus told us this would happen. You'll have wars and rumors of wars. And then a war shows up. And we're like, God, where are you? In this world, you're going to have trouble. And then trouble shows up. Like, for real? I'm tithing? For real? He didn't say if you tithe, trouble wouldn't come. He said in this world, we're going to have trouble. So this tells me that it's not about avoiding trouble. It's about engaging in the right fight. It's not about avoiding controversy. It's not about avoiding division. It's not about avoiding haters. It, it's about engaging in the right fight. And look at this. I can't look at that and run after this. I have got to let, this is what Paul said, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. If I'm going to fight the good fight, I've got to let go of yesterday. I've got to let go of my past. I've got to let go of mistakes. I've got to let go of everything from yesterday and apprehend 
agonize over the beautiful, the beautiful fight of faith. Can I give you one more? Pastor Keon preached last week, so I missed you. I think right now in 2020, we need unmovable Christians, unshakable Christians. And I want you to know that you become unmovable when your faith is engaged. When your, when your faith is engaged. I've been talking about this a lot, and I'm working on a lot of thoughts, but our world wants us to be in neutral. This is how we're supposed to find the truth, is we, we put our lives in neutral, and then where we end up is our truth. So if you put your life in neutral and you become an atheist, that's your truth. If you put your life in neutral and you do the college and you're on fire for Jesus, that's your truth. If you, what, you'll move in the direction of the greatest pressure. But when you engage your faith, it's like a, a car that's in neutral and then you shift it into gear. You now have power to move. And I think too many Christians are getting pushed around because we don't know how to engage in the fight. So if pastor says this, I'm moving this way. If Facebook says this, I'm moving this way. And look at what the church is doing. Because we're pushed, we're neutral. But when you begin to think, I'm going to flee and I'm going to pursue, I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to agonize over the beautiful fight of faith. When my goal is not peace and my goal is not the absence of trouble, but my goal is him and making him proud, my happiness changes. My joy changes. Acts chapter 20, Paul says this. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit, Spirit warns me. Listen to this. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. You can't even post that scripture in 2020 and not get hate for the next two years. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Whoa. I want to move on, but I, that's heavy. That's he this is what Paul says. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. When did our aim become us? When did our aim become that we would be all right, that we would have the best career, and we would have the best life, and we would be popular, and we would be influenced? Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing. It's nothing. I don't even care. All I care about is making it you know what, another translation, New King James Version, it says this. But none of these things move me. Woo! That makes me want to do like a Pentecostal. I'm unmovable. 
I'm unshakable. Not because my life is perfect. Not because I have enough. Not because I have a lot of money. Not because I have a lot of followers. My life is good because He's good. My aim is not Dustin's life. It is that my life would be swallowed up in His life. My life is not about me making my name great. My life is about making His name great. And when the church of Jesus Christ begins to fight that fight, you are immovable, unshakable. The church of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm coming back for a bride that's pure and spotless. That bride is an unshakable bride. That bride is an unmovable bride. That bride is a bride that is engaged in the fight. Not the fight to be great. None of these things move me. Woo! I'm preaching myself today. I want to amen myself. That's how, that's how I feel right now. Not, you're unmovable. You're unshakable. And the devil should have killed you when he had the chance. You're God's child. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're called by him. You're ordained by him. You're anointed by him. Come hell or high water, God's got you. His hand is on you. Before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. He called you. He set you apart to be a prophet. Who cares what anybody else says? Who cares what everybody else does? We are here to make him famous. We are here to lift his name up. We are here to lift Lay down our lives for the sake of His. That's it. That's it.